everyone. Before we start the show, we just wanted to let you know that there's a couple ways that you could get in touch with us that we would absolutely love to hear from you. So you can reach us via email at thursdayhouse1 at gmail.com or our very own website at thursdayhouse.com. There you can see our latest episodes when they drop and links to things we've talked about or um, lists. Who knows? We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, MeWe, and Gab at Thursday House Podcast or on Parlor at Thursday House. Now on to the chaos. Record button in the middle of Shalee laughing. We are in mid joke. That's true. Um, we're so funny. Oh yeah, very funny. I feel very unfunny these days. Yeah, I rarely feel that funny. Yeah, I mean there are low. I you're very funny. You're oh, just very nice. dry funny. I am. There are lulls in you know peaks and lulls in life, and I am on like month what three of a house renovation where my entire family is stuck in the garage if we're not in our bedrooms and I'm I'm how come more people don't talk about this um, like, like it is it sort of zaps the joy out of things sometimes like life is so good and obviously it's not awful but it it's painful yeah and I, I don't mean, even live here I think it's well you do live here eight hours a day like this was I I remember thinking when we were starting this that I couldn't imagine it from your perspective because like so many people wouldn't put up with this from their work situation you know like I I chose this this is going to be a blessing to my family this is it's increasing the property value of my house blah 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 and I had the option of moving out and decided that that would be worse than I agree so, I mean, it, but having this be the place that you come to work every day and having to deal with this level of chaos, I mean, just most people wouldn't do it. That's all I can say. But, and, and I do, I think the reason people don't talk about it is because you do kind of feel bad. Like, this is, no one forced me to do a renovation. I chose to do this. I am looking forward to the end result. It should be an exciting thing to do. It just puts just enough extra stress on an already like pretty stressed out life that even though it's good stress, it's kind of like a wedding. You right. know, like when when I was in medical school, I remember them talking about like the most stressful events of life. And a lot of them, as you can imagine, are like divorce or loss of a child or things like that. Right. You know? Those are really big things. Loss of a spouse. And they're negative. But... But getting married or starting a new job or moving, these things are generally considered positive, and yet they're... they're so, so, so stressful. So stressful. Oh, my gosh. They, like, wear you out. Right. And so... And usually, like, no matter how stressful life is or work is or whatever, you can go home <laughs> and be... Yeah. And right now, my home is the place that's just totally flipped upside down. And kids, too. I mean... My kids homeschool. Like, if they had eight hours a day where they could go to school and be in a kind of controlled environment, they never, ever get out of this 
chaos. Like it is just constant chaos from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep. So it's, it's, it's wearing. Yeah. It feels like you need one of those calendars that you just cross the day off when you mm -hmm. get to the end of it. But at the same time, like we're talking about this in the middle of like 3 million people in Florida being completely out of power and a lot of people being homeless at this point. Correct. So like obviously perspective, you know? Yes. But I think that's why people don't talk about it because I think most people are kind of ashamed of the fact that they don't want to admit, you know, they don't want to admit that they feel badly about something that they feel like, but things are so much worse for other people. Right. And I, you, like you said, you chose this. Yeah. Right. But it is hard. It is. I mean, it's just, it's tiring. Like you said, it's tiring. My kids just want to go someplace where they can sit on a normal sized couch. There's like nowhere to sit, you know, like they're either in their room in bed, which isn't really a chair or like we moved this tiny little couch and some chairs out into the garage. So everyone's always sitting in a chair. No one can just like veg out on a couch on a couch. And I think that's what's really like wearing on them. Sort of taxing. Mm hmm. But, yeah, so anyway. Yeah. So today is the official end. The end of our book series. Of our summer book series devoted great moms. No, great men and their godly moms. Yes. This, the the irony of this is the book culminates in the final chapter on maybe the most biblical example of, um, great men and their godly moms in Timothy. It's our last chapter, but also ironic because both of us are without book today. Correct. Yes. Correct. Um, I think it's okay though, because I, I gotta be honest, this was my least favorite story. I don't know if that's like, um, heretical to say, or like, (laughs) I I enjoy Timothy. I enjoy Paul, but from like a mom perspective and how she shaped his, theology it was really lackluster for me because they don't know anything about her well i mean we know what is said about her in the bible mm-hmm. i think it's i don't know that i i wouldn't say it was also my least favorite chapter mm-hmm. i think it's because we know this story yes we know the story of lois and eunice if you go to church um you know paul writes a, a very large part of the new testament Timothy is a very large part of Paul's life. He considers him a son. Yes. And so we spend a lot of time in church, especially in Reformed um, churches, talking about Paul and talking about Timothy. Um, Lois and Eunice are frequently talked about. And so as opposed to the other stories where like, oh, I've never heard this story before. Right. This is really interesting. This one is known, you know, and also what... What, you're right. We don't know a lot about them, but what we do know about them are like several facts that we all know. Right. And so again, there is no like new thing. Yes, it's not a bad story. It's not a boring story. It's just there wasn't a like that makes more sense. There just wasn't anything added to what I already knew. Right. I guess like um, we when, didn't hear about his dad. Oh, I like <laughs> they were like Timothy. You know, was a great godly man and was you know so scholarly and like really was a very uh feel uh well versed in his theology. His mom was whatever, but his dad was a Greek. <laughs> I thought that was funny. They were like, but his dad was Greek. Well I think that's why um, I that was funny. Like, oh 
I mean, but they they do talk about that a lot in the Bible as as the reason for why Paul said, for instance, so you know, a lot of times people talk, and this has nothing to do with Lois and Eunice, but it had people talk about Paul being kind of hypocritical in telling Timothy he needed to get circumcised, but then telling the Judaizers that they need to like let go of all of this like very legalistic teaching, right? right. And um, I think when pastors discuss this, they kind of discuss the fact that his father was Greek, his mother was Jewish, and in order to kind of be a better, uh, to have his message uh, resonate more with the audience, that he said, you know, if we go, if we circumcise you, it will make your voice kind of more palatable to right. the people that you're talking to. A wider to. audience. So, I mean, we knew about, again, the, these are the things. We knew about his mother's heritage. We knew about his father's heritage. We knew that his mother was considered very godly by Paul and that one of the reasons that Paul attributed Timothy's um, kind of meek um, and yet very clear voice that that Paul directly attributes that that voice to his mother or to his mother's teachings but at the same time that's cut like there's like four or five facts we know about this family and those are they yes you know and so like I, I agree I don't I I think part of the reason that the other chapters were so interesting is because it was like oh I never knew that oh I didn't or, know that oh wow he that came is from Massachusetts and his dad invested in railroads and then they became destitute like it makes for an interesting book story right exactly whereas this didn't it just kind of told us what we knew about Timothy um and talked a lot about Paul like it was right. three fourths Paul which is fine. It's just a book about moms. Right. Yeah. I know. And at first, what's interesting about this is I thought when I read through the um, people that they discussed before I'd read the book, I was like, oh, Timothy, that's the obvious. That's the obvious, obvious. choice. And, and what a great way to culminate the book. But then when you go through the book, you're like, yeah, huh. Oh, oh that was... It was kind okay. of anticlimactic a yeah. little bit. Yes. I think I probably would have started with him. Yeah. Maybe, instead of ending with him. Yeah. I agree with you. I personally, I like order, so I would have done it in like a timeline, but that's just Oh, there me. you go. All right. I'm sure there was method to the madness. I'm sure. I'm um, sure. And overall, I still think, I've actually recommended this book to numerous people um, for different stories, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, like I, I had a friend who was talking about a young man who was about to like go off into the world and came from, um, a kind of a rough background and had received kind of biblical training through school, but was now going to kind of go off into the world. And, you know, she was losing control of this young man. And I said, and I recommended the book for some of several of the chapters in there. Um, and then I had another friend who was describing a different issue with an, an adult child and I recommended the book for a totally different <laughs> chapter. I love that. Tim Challey should put you on the payroll. I mean, so, um, yeah, I mean, I thought the book, I, I, if you had to summarize, you know, 
say you you were going to recommend this book, mm-hmm. um, and given our initial reason for discussing this book, which was that you know we're two homeschool moms, we have kids that spend a lot of time, boy ch- children who spend a lot of or, and young men who spend a lot of time around female. Um, and female educators during the day and how do we impart headship which is a role we don't have and will never have and don't really understand fully how do we impart headship to our young men since they don't spend a lot of time surrounded by men during the day who can impart that to them you know during the day Um, so based on why we did it and based on you know your knowledge of the book now how would you synopse how would you conclude this book? Like if somebody said, give me a 30 second, what do you think of this book? What would you say? Um, what I think of the book in relationship to teaching young men headship is as women, no matter where you are in your parenting journey, it is okay to start the mentoring, the filling of the cups, the, the praying over your children Um, at any age it's fine to start if they're 16 if they're six months old the best thing that we can probably do as women is to just I don't want to say lead by example but we need to reflect to them our role we need to teach them the biblical truths we need to teach them biblical applications and kind of let the rest fall into place because we can't actually teach headship. I think that's almost exactly what I was going to say. What would you have I was going to say or taken away. The first point that you made that this should happen as early as possible and that it's never too late to start. That the age of your child does not matter at all. Um, and I and that was different than what I I mean I I think I my ki- my boys are now seven and eight, and I'm now like, okay, now I really need to, to start doing this, but I could have started doing it a long time ago. Um, and, I mean, we did, they've obviously, they've been to church, they've been learning about the Bible, but right. really. It's not you've been doing nothing this whole time. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think the second point you hit about praying over um, your, your kids, and in different ways, praying for their salvation, praying for their... Um, their relationship with God, you know, all of those things, um, I think this book really emphasized in a, in a oh, lot of and, different and ways. almost every story. Yes. And then the, the, the last thing that you said about, like, modeling our role, and, you know, and I would even say I kind of, um, like, the, the story about, um, oh, goodness, I just had it, and now it's left my brain, uh, Piper, John Piper's mom about how because he the their father was gone so often um, but then when the father came back the mom resumed her traditional role and was very thankful for her husband being back to be in his role so that kind of joyous celebration um, of your husband fulfilling his role and you doing and you your joyful, um, fulfillment of your role and just modeling that relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, they will see your role, um, but they will also start viewing your husband's role in relationship to your role. 
you know, as they get older, they will understand that that relationship more. Absolutely. And you're not going to see the fruits of that until they're probably older or maybe not even when they live with you. Yeah. So that's just one of those things where you have to just kind of keep going, even if you're not because, you know, your boys are seven and eight. My boys were seven and eight at one point. They don't pay a whole lot of attention to what moms do. Um, but it's in there. The oh, seeds it is. are planted. You're not going to see them necessarily, but just, you know, keep going. Well, I mean, I think in lots of different realms of life, we talk about culture, the culture of a society, the culture of a, a family. You're laying down that culture right now, you know? Um, those traditions and that culture, that expectation is what you're modeling. And yeah, you won't see that until your kids are older. But I bet we will at some point see that in our kids. I mean, I yeah. say things all the time now that my parents said to me. And I'm like, oh, wow, where did that come oh, from? Oh, my God, it came out. It's stuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, <laughs> and... Again, the, those things are going to come out whether they're the good parts of the culture that you're laying down or the bad parts of the culture you're laying down. So it is important yeah. to understand that you are you're the chief model for... I know. I Yeah, my dad comes out of me. My mom didn't have as many sayings. Um, or maybe she didn't. I just wasn't listening. A place for everything and everything in its place, which I say all the time. Mm-hmm. Annoyingly so. To my whole family. But my dad's things were like children to be seen and not heard. And, hey, why don't you go play in traffic? But it was always out of love and funniness. Yes. So I think I impart that to my children, too. Yeah. I mean, I think, yes. I, I You say a lot of your dad's things. And I think, you know, if you just said them flat, that people wouldn't understand the like, oh, humor rude. behind them. But, yes. But it is, you know, I mean, I think that we also, we also take with us our parents' humor, sense of humor. You know, some of the things that I think, um, the things I think that kids probably notice the most are how you react in a time of trial versus how you react when everything is hunky-dory, you know? Yep. Like, if they see you fall apart. Or lose your cool. Yeah, like, Every time crazy. that, like, the a little bit of adversity hits. I mean, my kids have very have very clearly seen me completely lose my, my mind. Um, but usually it's after, like, the 15th straw has, you know, like, I, I, I don't usually lose it after, like, one or two things. It usually requires an, a full-on collapse, you know. And then I use, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going back to your children and apologizing and no, saying, I, think that's I handled the, that very, very poorly. No, that's one of the best things that I think people can do in front of their kids is to admit your mistakes. Mm-hmm. But I do think that when they see you um, really kind of deal lot, like unemotionally and logically with things that come at you that, you know, you can't. You can't expect. There are things that happen. You know, there are phone calls that get you, you get that, you know, someone just had a major medical emergency or something like that to see your response to that, to see you 
you know, hit your knees and pray and then say, okay, let's go figure out what we're going to do. We got to get to the hospital. We got to like do this. We got to do whatever. Well, let me write that down what you just said. Cause, uh, maybe I should do that every time there's some kind of a situation. I like that. That sounds so level headed and like cool headed. What? Just to stop what you're doing to pray and be like, all right, let's rally. Let's figure out how to solve this. Yeah. I mean, this I, is, you know, shaking fists and cursing. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely need to take my own advice. I am, um, I'm really good in an emergency, but I think that's the, the doctor training. Like as soon as someone's bleeding yeah. or, you know, dying, uh, I, I become, I become the most level headed person in the room. Now, when something is just stupid, like <laughs> the toilet overflows or whatever, I lose my mind. But, like, I'm pretty good at the, like, medical emergencies. And I should probably learn how to transfer that to other things. Right. But, you know, we'll see. Oh, man, that's so funny. I don't agree with that. Anyway. All right. Well, cool. I think that was... It was a great book. Yes. I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. And we, maybe we'll do this um, next summer. We'll have a, like, another book series. But for now, it's fall. It is, it is officially fall. Oh, yeah. It's, like, 60-something degrees outside. Yes. And it's beautiful. The leaves have not started to turn colors or fall yet because we're Mm -hmm. going to have, we had a prolonged, like, warm start of fall. But I, I feel it coming any day now. Yeah gonna happen so and halloween costumes have been purchased yeah uh, ours too i just did it this morning there you go and so we are full into fall so now we are going to um move to you know a new a new New um, topic topic new topics for the fall um we're getting a little crunchy we, I've noticed that well i would call <laughs> it soggy granola soggy granola <laughs> both of us have gotten um, you've been crunchy for quite some time now. I was the opposite of crunchy until um, COVID. And COVID has made me substantially crunchier. Yes. I'm not really sure oh, yeah. why that happened like or it. how that happened. It's but been here a I slow am. ascent, descent, or whichever whichever uh-huh. direction that whichever you Whichever direction you going. consider yourself and going in. Yeah, no, you. And I, uh-huh. I really like it. Do you? Yeah. Okay, well... But the funny thing that I have noticed is that I'll I'll discover something, and then I find out that you have been doing this for years, and I'm like, how come you never talked about this before? Oh uh, yeah, and then I yeah I don't I don't really I don't enjoy to talk about myself, and to me those are just things that I do. Like, why would I talk about how I clean my counters? Because that seems like who would want to know? Mm. Okay, so but I think this is I mean. I hate to like point out our trendiness, but as soon as we started talking about mothers teaching headship, I was seeing this everywhere. Hmm. I feel like, so the next thing that, like the the thing that when we were doing our segment on homemade versus Mm store-bought, you had made sauerkraut, which was fantastic, by the way. Um, In fact, I bought a cabbage and it's been sitting in my refrigerator for like a month to like start making sauerkraut. Now I probably need to buy a new cabbage because we haven't really done anything with it. But anyway, the point being, that's that's not the point. The point being, um, (laughs) it started a conversation about fermented foods, which you were starting to get into, and now is all the trend. It's everywhere. It's because I'm so cool. Do you remember back in the mid to late 90s when... um, Chinese and Japanese writing became the thing. Yes. Tattoos and yeah. I started that. You started that? I did. 
Uh, my friends and I in high school, uh, I think the only time I went to the library in high school was one time. And I ha we happened upon books in Japanese, Chinese, Korean. And we looked through them and we all wrote down, you know, what we thought, you know, one was a butterfly. So I wrote, you know, down what that was. Uh-huh. And it, like, snowballed from there. I had my mom paint characters, like, up on the, like, so what's it on the ceiling? The bottom's the trim. What's the top? Like, the top portion of Um, oh, I just had it. Like, right, uh, Crown molding? Yeah, but we had a flat wall. So, just, like, at the top, like, where crown oh. molding would be if it had crown molding. I mean, the wallpaper has, what's that called, a border? Oh, uh, yeah, it's, like, the top but, portion okay. of my wall. I got it. My mom hand-painted, like, different characters. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I started that. You did? Because no one else okay. was doing it. It was just me. I started black bed sheets. When I wanted black bed sheets, I thought they would be super cool. And um, we could not, I could not find them anywhere. And I or finally ordered some, and they were way too expensive. And then, like, the next year, there were black bed sheets everywhere. Huh. So I started that. Hmm. I also started... Um, Skulls and Crossbones. Ooh. I did. I used to... I had a pair of Keds shoes that had skulls and crossbones on them did you draw thought, them yourself uh-uh oh. i did find a pair of keds at like a old thrift store like old laces keds. or no laces because they have slipping kids like, i can't remember okay. and if they had laces i probably wouldn't have laced them anyway you know how you did that like i never put laces in my kids i thought laces and kids looked weird so i'd like just leave them on lace yeah anyway that and was then, cool and then, um, and then the, like the next season, everything was skulls and crossbones, like everywhere. So no, I feel like I, I, I feel like I started, started those two things, but yeah, I mean, probably not, but I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I so anyway, no, but I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say, um, when I first met you, you would always research what was going to be the like hottest Christmas toy. Yes. Which is always just a guess. Because you never know what thing is going to end up being the Furby or the whatever, the thing you can't, the Cabbage Patch doll, the Correct. thing you can't get, right? So you would research it, and then you would pick it out, and you'd buy a bunch of them. I did. And then you would sell them online. I did do that. Um, because And I thought that was super cool. So, like, around, around August, September, you kind of get a feel for what the cool toys are. Now, I'm not really on social media anymore, so, like, my divining um, powers are not, are not as good. Are not as good. I know you were really good at it. <laughs> like, looking at sales circulars, which I like to do. Um, I have this weird thing that I discovered recently. I love learning about grocery stores and stores and how they operate. Mm -hmm. and the like, logistics. The logistics, what colors they pick. Red makes people, people want to shop more. And, like, the psychology between how they put flyers out. And also just different, uh, like, Kroger has a family of stores all uh -huh. over the country. Right. King Supers. That's hilarious. So I like to look at sales flyers from other grocery stores that I don't even go to. I find it fascinating. I mean, I really feel like you missed a... Marketing calling? A marketing, yeah. A marketing or logistics. I mean, you're super good at it. I was amazed that, like, every time... And because my kids would do that thing, that, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie thing, where, like, a week before Christmas, they would decide they wanted the toy that no one could get their hands on. Correct. And you always would have one. It's probably Which was annoying. I was that kid, too. I really wanted a Furby. I really wanted one. And then I got it, and that thing was creepy. Yeah. That's well, Side yeah. Side note, that creepy 
Part no. is terrible. Sorry, no. Mom. I totally get that. I think it's really funny. So you're, I think, a very trendy, on-trend kind of person. Yes. It's just what you... It's just what I pay attention to. Um, I would love to have worked for, like, a toy manufacturer. Not a manufacturer, but, like, testing and product development. Um, I think that would have been really cool. Yeah. I think... But you develop a lot of things for me. Yeah. So I And now I just get to play with toys. I am, I am um, very much the beneficiary of your creativity, so... Um, so anyway, on, I mean, yeah. we just got off subject there a little bit, but on oh, the, the trendy thing, you got into this fermented food thing, yes, which is now humongous. And so please explain to me because I've heard that there are health benefits to fermented foods. All right. So there is a little bit that I know, but then I took some notes from this website that, uh, of a podcast person I follow um, her name's Lisa, and her podcast is The Simple Farmhouse Life. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. She's got seven kids. She lives in Missouri. Where in Missouri? I don't know. She doesn't say. Oh, okay. Um, but she is really likable. She's For someone with seven kids, um, she's just really down to earth. Have you noticed, I mean, like how you just said that. For someone with seven kids, she's very down to earth. I have found that these parents... Of big families. Because I grew up within the era of, you know, you had two kids, you know? Um, And so now there's all of these, like, I'm surrounded by these large families. I have four kids, and I don't even consider myself to be one of these large family people. Like, you have to have at least five or six before you're in the large family category, right? Yes, I would agree with that. But they're all... Very nice, down-to-earth people. And they seem to, like... You would think they would just be out of their minds crazy right. all the time. Yeah. And this family, they homeschool. They have a home-based business. They have cows. They had they had goats. They have chickens. Like, they have so much to manage. Uh-huh. And yet she has time to, like, make a podcast and do a website. I mean, she has a lot of help. And she says that on her podcast, like, very clearly. But um, also, I mean, it just, it's just it's a... Busy. She makes my busy. busyness feel like, what are you doing? I don't know that that's true because I think you're kind of the same way. It's like you become more efficient the busier you are, but also you're enjoying what you're doing. It's not busyness for the sake of busyness. I also think, I mean, honestly, I could never go back to working for a corporation. I did that for a while. This I and, and the corporations I worked for were non-for-profits and I was a doctor, so it was still fulfilling work. But the idea of sitting in a cubicle all day, just making money for the man, I I don't think I could do that. I don't. I just don't think I could do that anymore. I can't see you sitting, like sitting yeah. in an office, especially at a cubicle. I don't. I can't see. You I don't like office. to sit. But but I, just the idea that I mean, at the end of your thirty years of work, working you know eight to ten hours a day for five five days a week for forever, you've what have you done? It's like renting an apartment to me. It's like you've paid all this rent. You own nothing. You know, you've made all this money not for you. Right. Now, granted, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a communist. Like, I get it. You get a paycheck. You reinvest that. You buy a home. You, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. Like, I, and we, don't, we don't all have to own our own businesses. That's not practical. And I'm sure a lot of people get a lot of satisfaction. Just personally, I don't think I could do it. But I do notice that these people who have done these kind of alternative lifestyles, it's like they don't mind the work because right. the, the, the benefit is so tangible. It's not, 
it's not a paycheck and it's definitely not like a direct deposit paycheck you know that you never see it's like it's a baby cow or you know right, right, right. it's like right in front of you and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just too much of a child I need the like I need the thing you know I need to go out to the chicken coop every day and like carry the eggs in I need to like you know, go out to the far to the garden and cut the peppers down. Like there has to be something in my hand. <laughs> and then if there is that thing in my hand, then I can literally work sixteen hours a day. I don't yeah. care. I have fun. You know. Yeah. Whereas if it was just like data entry, man, I think I could do you get that. Get to the end of the day, and you're like, what did I really do? Oh, I'm sure. You I know. Like and again, I I don't want to judge because I I mean no. obviously there are people that need to do those jobs, and I'm glad that. I'm yeah, glad it's just not for you. Just like your job me. is probably not for others. Yes, probably not. And that's um, okay. Mm-hmm. If we all did the same thing, it would be really boring. It would be a boring world. So, anyway, okay, so tell me about this lady. So she's awesome. Um, I can link her uh, website. Can you link a podcast? No, I'll stick to the website. That sounds really technical. Yes. Um, and so I've been listening to her podcast for... About three months. It's one of those, like, binge lessons. Like, uh-huh. every time I have a moment, I listen to it. I see. Um, and she is the first person who made fermenting food not seem like a crazy science experiment that you need equipment and you need correct measurements and you need this or everything's going to blow up in your face. Uh-huh. It's, like, so easy. And just, like, her... Um, her uh, demeanor and her... this. Even, like, her voice is just really calming, and she just kind of talks you through things. So, my first foray was the sauerkraut that I made, uh-huh. that I brought in for you, and that was really fun. Actually, I used a Pioneer Woman recipe for that. But the podcast lady definitely gave me the confidence to be like, you know what, if you try it, and it doesn't work, you just throw it out. Yeah. Cabbage is not super expensive. No, it's not. You just rinse your jar out and try again. I, you know, the first time I heard about fermenting food was, I'm going to say three or four years ago. And there was a family at church that also homeschooled, had like five kids and had chickens and they would ferment their food scraps. They would like take their food scraps and put them in a jar and ferment them and then feed the chickens fermented table scraps. Okay. And I, I mean, it sounded so complicated that I was like, okay. And she was like swore by it saying that it was much better than feeding the chickens, like just the feed you get at the chicken store and a chicken store at the, uh, like farm store. I know what you mean. And, and it sounded so complicated. I just like, I listened and I was like, okay, things like I have this checklist in my head of things I will never do. Yes. And that immediately went to the top of the list. It's like skydiving. Being in one of those shark tanks, uh, fermenting table scraps for my chickens was like, nope, top of the list. Not happening. But I bet it's, she was like, it's really not hard. You just take them and you put them like under our sink. We have this like container. Yeah. And that's probably like exactly what, you know, kind of the process that you're talking about a little bit. Probably so. And like, you know, composting's like that too. It, it sounds like it's a, it's a mixture between composting and fermenting. Yeah. Because yeah. you're just going to throw that out anyway. Um, okay, so next, and I also started fermenting garlic cloves, and my house smells, smells like garlic. No one in my family has said anything yet, which is weird, because when you walk in the door, you're like, oh, 
Is my Nana here making sauce? Because oh it's like some garlic. Well, right now my gar- uh, my garage, we're like um, drying all the peppers <laughs> yeah, that I got from, because we have a hurricane coming, so I had to like go pick a bunch of peppers. And we're not never going to be able to eat them all. There's like 50 in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like drying them out in, in the air fryer on like warm heat in the garage, in the very sl- small enclosed garage. And all of our children are in there. And I walked in and they're all just like, want, they all just want to die. Right. It smells like, it smells like it a smells, pepper farm. Uh-huh. Anyway. So I'm going to read um, some snippets uh, from her website and then some of it is mine. And some of it's hers. But I'll make sure to to link hers in there so she gets credit for it. Um, So there are different kinds of fermenting. Okay. I really only know about one because it seemed the easiest to me. Okay. Um, It's called lacto-fermentation. Okay. So lacto-fermentation is a process of taking beneficial bacteria that that occur on everything. We just can't see it. It's on every vegetable and fruit. Correct. Naturally existing. And every surface on planet Earth. I did not know that. Well, bacteria is everywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's why true. it's always funny when, like, some news crew decides they're going to go into a hotel and, and like, swab, swab everything and then be like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, okay, now go do your bedroom. Right? Like, it's do anything. Stuff is everywhere. Your ceiling. Like, okay, yeah. Um, so you're taking the beneficial bacteria and you're converting it to lactic acid. Mm-hmm. Lactic acid is beneficial for your gut because it allows you to absorb nutrients better. Okay. So I'm guessing that's why she was giving it to our chickens because whatever then whatever uh, they're taking in is absorbing better in their bodies. Okay. Um, uh, the main benefits of these probiotics. Let me. So the lacto portion of lactose fermentation refers to lactobacillus, the species mm-hmm. of beneficial bacteria that are present on the surface of all plants. Um, this beneficial bacteria converts lactose or other sugars into lactic acid and then helps your gut absorb nutrients better. Okay. So, um, it's basically just water and salt. So the salt inhibits the bad bacteria while the lactobacillus lets the good bacteria thrive. Okay. So like the good guys are winning and the bad guys are losing. Okay. Like it. So that's what I got. Okay. So how does eating these things... So basically what you're doing, like when you eat um, a, like the good belly juice that my daughter drinks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are chock full of probiotics. Most of it's lactobacillus. Yes. The stuff in yogurts, lactobacillus, blah, 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 blah. So, um, because there's actually lots of different kinds of bacteria. Oh, yeah. And some of the people that like complain about like probiotic products that you get at the store can complain that there's only one strain one strain right exactly so um so this is introducing that bacteria through your gut just by eating the food right so these are it's the same as eating probiotic yogurt right but you don't have to eat yogurt all the time you can eat sauerkraut right what other things can you eat oh my goodness you can eat uh you can probably ferment just about any vegetable i've heard you can ferment fruit but i've never really looked into it Okay. So they're obviously cabbage. Um, carrots are next for me because all my kids kind of like carrot sticks, but I feel like if they had that little tangier zippiness to them, I think they would like it even better. So, and the fermentation process, does it just basically taste like pickled? Is it that- does taste a little pickled, yeah. 
Okay. But there's no pickling because pickling, I believe, requires vinegar and real and la- salt. Yeah, and real lacto fermentation. There's no and vinegar. sugar. I think right? Isn't doesn't pickling have sugar in it as well? I that I don't know. Okay. I've never. I don't grow cucumbers because mm-hmm. I'm not really into eating that many cucumbers. Yeah. I know I can grow cucumbers. I just don't want to. Okay. Um and yeah, I think you can like ferment just about anything. Um, I'm fermenting garlic cloves because, again, they're just, it increases the enzymes and the nutrients in it. Okay. And if you have a sore throat, apparently, like, just sucking on a, like, fermented garlic clove is really good for a sore throat. I mean, but I it, can't it, even imagine that. <laughs> but it takes the, it takes the, the pungency down. Okay. I'm told. The ferment, fermenting process. Yes. So, so it doesn't to, taste sharp like yes. raw garlic. So what? I did this Wednesday of last week, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to go about two months. Two months. Yes. And that's about how long your sauerkraut went too, right? Yes, but uh, I have come to learn that it's not supposed to take that long. I okay. just left it there that long. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it tasted good. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. Two months. Wow. Okay. And every vegetable is different based on, like, how long it should sit. So, do you have a good source for recipes? Um, my lady, my uh-huh. podcast lady, her website is super comprehensive. She has so many recipes. Okay. Um, and then just for the basic sauerkraut recipe, I use the Pioneer Woman's uh-huh. sauerkraut recipe. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to have to try some of these and see how they go. So you, um, something else I really want to try is kefir or kefir, how Uh people say it. So I've come to learn that even leaving your uh, kefir out from like a store-bought one, leaving it out still does not give you very many strains of bacteria. But buying kefir grains and making your own with milk that you purchase you have like thousands of strains of I don't even know what kefir is or however it's pronounced. I don't know how it's properly pronounced, but my trim healthy mama ladies say kefir. Okay, what is it? It is bacteria. They're okay. like, like in grains. In so you, grains. Yeah, they're like these little, you know, clusters of grains. You let them sit in milk and then you, you pour them out and you can use them again. But they okay. they multiply. Okay. So you end up with more grains. So you're growing, it's like you're growing colony forming units or you're growing bacteria. Yes. You're like culturing bacteria. Yes. In milk. In milk. And then drinking it. Mm Mm-hmm. So some people just put it in their smoothies, which is what I would do. If you said this to somebody who like grew up in the post-World War II kind of era, you know, if you said, okay, we're going to grow bacteria in milk and then you're going to drink it. I mean, like this is the opposite of pasteurization. Yes. Pasteurization kills off a lot of the good bacteria. And they say that kefir is actually good for people who are lactose intolerant because it kills off the lactose and promotes more of the bacteria. Okay. Okay. I don't know anything about this. And I, you know, as a physician, I do know something you organic do. chemistry you kind of thing. You know things. a lot more bacteria about bacteria than most people. But I don't even have, I don't even know enough about this area of like diet nutrition to comment on some of this stuff, which is, I think, interesting because um, I think the one thing COVID has really um, 
one of the things that COVID has really unearthed or made more transparent is how little training physicians get in things like nutrition and these kinds of things. Like we really don't get any any sort of training on on this stuff unless you I mean I guess there, there's probably places where you can take um, you can take electives and stuff like that. But I think that's why now you're seeing a lot of functional medicine and um, some of these other fields really taking off is because this is just not um, really something that we spend a lot of time learning. I mean, in the first two years of medicine, of medical school, you take organic chemistry and you take biochem and you, you learn about the Krebs cycle and you learn these different things, but you don't learn them in a practical way of how these things can, you know, affect your diet and how to, how to choose foods that are beneficial for these different purposes or what the evidence even what is the evidence behind this like you know I mean it's I remember um you know 10 years ago people saying this is all it's great you can take all this stuff it doesn't really do anything for your health um but and I remember I remember attendings telling me that but I don't but they I was never presented any evidence you know, pro or con. Right, right, right. And I think one of the really good benefits of of the COVID, you know, situation, two years, is that people, really people are, um, they're more interested oh, in, in learning about their own body and about their own health and that kind of thing. Um, for a while, we had the internet, we had all this information, but people were still relying so much on expert opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are busy, and so they weren't spending time reading about this kind of stuff. I think there's been a huge increase in just the interest level of people wanting to know where their food comes from and, you know, what is healthy, what isn't healthy, what, what are the things that we have just through generations um, adopted. I I think some of the funny things have been that people have realized that things that their grandparents told them, Mm -hmm. which they just were like, oh, well, that's old-timey stuff that my grandparents used to do. Yeah. And there's no evidence behind it. No, that's just weird things weird people did. Right. And then that they did back in the day before they... That people are now, you know, presenting evidence of like, well, this is why people did that back then. And this was the benefit of that and blah, blah, blah. So it's really been an interesting, I mean, we like to, I think we like to think of ourselves as the most technologically so and worldly and advanced and, and advanced. You know, intellectual yeah. um, generation that has ever lived. And I think But we are, literally eat ourselves to death. Yeah, that's too. not very intelligent. It's really not. If you would like to know a very funny story, um, it's, it's kind of, I guess it's irony. Um, we would go out to eat and back in the day, and I don't know that they really do this anymore, but there would be a garnish on your plate. Yes. I remember that. Yes. And it was curly kale. And my grandmother would be like, you can eat that. And I'd be like, no, you don't. That is a decoration for your plate. It's a garnish. Right. I mean, there's an entire scene in a movie with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Where she's like, this is a garnish. You're not supposed to take all the caviar. It's a garnish, you know? Yeah, and so ironically... But yeah, you didn't eat the parsley. Yeah, but it was kale. And now I willingly eat kale every single day of my life. But I was like, no, mom, mom. 
That is not food. I remember... No, I hear you. And I remember there being... Like sprigs of parsley yeah. on your steak or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people would take it off and move it to the side. <laughs> nope. This is yeah. green. I'm not it was just, No, it was thought to be just a decoration. <laughs> right. As if you even had like a little wreath on your plate. Right. <laughs> Which is interesting. No, I mean, the first time I used to, as we all know, I am not a fan of dessert. But um, somebody's like chocolate cake, um, would come with a sprig of mint on top mm. and a blackberry or a raspberry yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And I would go around to all the people's plates and take their mint and their raspberries yeah. um, because no one liked their mint. No one wanted their mint. It was, again, decorative. Decorative, and it's interfering with my chocolate cake. It's interfering <laughs> with my chocolate cake. And, and for some strange reason, many people do not like raspberries. I don't understand this. It's like God's candy. No, it is... Tasty, but those seeds. Get past me. I can't. Oh my gosh. I'm chewing them for hours. (laughs) Anyway, so I would take everyone's raspberries and then I would take the mint. And I don't even know where I learned this from, but I would just chew on the mint like you would chew on gum. Yeah. And it was like a nice, fresh, well, that's probably what people did before gum was invented. Yeah. And then you don't, I mean, you can swallow it. I never did because it takes forever to like chew it down. So then I would just kind of take it out and throw it away or whatever later on. But um, you chew on it for a while, and I had, like, the mintiest, freshest, like, yeah. breath. I remember the first time I was at a, like, re- fancy restaurant with my daughter, and I took the mint off the plate and started chewing it. And she did, too. Like, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, chew it. And it's like a breath mint, but you don't have to. And she did it. And, and you know, I don't like mint. I don't like mm-hmm. mint in anything. I don't. But I will chew mint, like, after dinner. Yeah. And it also is good for digestion. It is. It's very good and for digestion. And all that. So, yeah, I know. I think it's funny. Like, the things that they did back then, the portions were more regular. You know? The, didn't they say, and I think I read this somewhere, that this will be the first generation. I guess they mean, like, kids now, like young kids, mm-hmm. where kids will not outlive their parents because of obesity rates. Now, I'm sure that those... I'm sure that it's been skewed somehow, but they're saying that kids are just so unhealthy. That well, they are. They're not, they're not, that they're eating terribly, you know, getting... I know. Well, and even my kids, I mean, I try very hard to, like, have them eat well, but, like, when they go to a friend's house and everyone's having a bag of Doritos or whatever, um, they'll be like, Mom, can I have one? And I'm like, yeah. It has become less, like a treat and more like that's just the norm that's yeah what you that's do the when snack yeah and i'm just like it no it doesn't have to be that way it really doesn't no um, it doesn't have to be any way other than what you want it to be those things should really be um they should be treats like and a treat is not something you do every day you don't need a piece of chocolate cake every day no. like you should, you should not no it should be like oh hey we're having and I do that a lot of times. I'll be like, oh, we're having hot dogs, or we'll have chips, or we'll have french fries, or whatever. But we don't have them every day. We have them with, like, hot dogs or hamburgers at a barbecue or whatever. But when we have dinner at night, it's not, you know. No, I recently read, so there's this doctor, um, his name is Joel Furman, and I read these books from the 90s. Now, he is a little, like, crystal woo-woo, just uh-huh. a little bit. But it's like a, I've been reading his books on like immunity building, uh-huh. and his statistics from the late '90s was that 
a large portion of toddlers in the U.S., their only vegetables were potatoes. And I kind of believe it. But And yet they weren't morbidly obese because they were eating actual potatoes and not potato chips. No, he was saying like French fries oh. and potatoes. So back even in the 90s when kids weren't that fat, they were really and, unhealthy. So I'll No, but they were eating... I disagree. I think you're reading more into this. They were eating... Okay, French fries, I will give you. But back in the 90s, like in McDonald's, back in the 90s, the French fries were made with beef tallow. They weren't make, made with no, all these... That's true. You know, vegetable oils and stuff like that. That's so if true. you were eating French fries and potatoes, that that is totally different than eating French fries now. Now. Cooked in vegetable oil. And... Potato chips, right? So if, with all these seed oils. I mean, if you were just eating a baked potato, no, you'd be fine. Or what? Or even yeah. Or even to an extent, French fries. Depending. Depending. I mean, and I I know I lived in the nineties. Thank you very much. Like we didn't. People did not eat French fries with every meal. We no, didn't. They didn't. I mean, but if he, there was a call to concern even then, like we're so screwed now. Well, because now, like back then, you might eat fast food once a week, and that was a lot. You know, um, fast food wasn't wasn't prevalent on every single, you know, you turn onto every street and there's every single fast food restaurant you could ever imagine. Right. Um, so like your town might have a couple of McDonald's and a, a Burger King and a, you know, a Hardee's or a Taco Bell or whatever. But so you might eat a happy meal once a week. The rest of the time you're at home eating mashed potatoes or baked potatoes or whatever. And granted, they're probably healthier things, but if you're an active kid, that's a pretty decent carbohydrate. So say you're a kid, like back in the 90s, we would come home from school, we'd have two recesses at school, come home from school, ride our bikes all afternoon or go play soccer in the neighborhood all afternoon. And if the like carbs you're eating are a baked potato or mashed potatoes, okay, fine, you're not eating bread. You're not, you know, you're not eating um, potato chips. You're not eating. So, I mean, I, I hear what he's saying. I think the reason that it's so much worse now is because people are not eating fast food once a week. They're eating fast food once a day, right. sometimes more. Kids are coming home and eating entire bags of potato chips. You know, they're not eating baked potatoes. I mean, you, I, I promise you, if you get 100 kids together and say, Okay, we're going to have some steak or some grilled chicken and a baked potato. Like, 50 of the 100 are going to be like, I don't eat baked potatoes. I'm not eating that. Yeah. Nope. What was that brown thing? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's... And I I remember eating baked potatoes regularly. Yeah, I think we did, too. I don't like baked potatoes. You really like baked potatoes. I do. I love them. My husband loves baked potatoes. My husband is a baked potato. Um... My daughter loves potatoes. I don't like baked potatoes. That's okay though. But I like many other forms of potatoes. But I mean, I think you can't take you can't take one thing and and just extrapolate it to now. Like you have to look at it at holistically how it was back then. There wasn't as much like refrigeration and like refrigerated trucking and the logistics involved with like there were no I lived, I grew up in Missouri. There were no avocados in December in the grocery store in Missouri. I, we didn't even have avocados at all. I mean, yeah, this is what I mean. <laughs> I like, I grew up on grilled chicken and, you know, frozen corn and frozen peas and baked potatoes and fish sticks and stuff like that. 
it wasn't necessarily like this cornucopia of produce and, you know, kale Mm-mm. smoothies and avocado toast and all that other stuff. But I did work out probably four hours a day because I would play at school and then I would come home and I would play till dark. Yeah. And then I would eat a reasonable amount of food that was, I think, not no, I mass th- produced. I think there was a tipping point at the end of the 90s when you and I were both a lot older when there were so many shows after school geared towards kids more than they were when we were younger and kids would just watch TV after school and eat snacks. I, I think there was a tipping point. There had to be some... There had to be a shift from when we were kids to now because the kids end of aren't- the 90s, I graduated... So I graduated high school... In 95. Right. So the end of the 90s, I was in college. Yeah, so you weren't like so I was in the in, scene. No. But in the middle of the 90s, in high school, I was in, I was on the tennis team, I was on the soccer team. Like, I but you weren't like a little kid. No. And less things were like geared towards you. So then, you know, all the TV, all the marketing, that's, I think, when the shift happened. It started to kind of tip Maybe. To more so where we are now. Because I agree with you. We played outside. I think there is something to say, too, about consumerism. I really do. I think, I think again, you can't look at one thing. you got to look at global things. When I was growing up, there were many more stay-at-home moms. There were many fewer two-income households. Yes. And there was a lot more playing outside, but more unorganized play versus organized play. Right. Like my Team kids sports. don't... Un- they do. They're- we finally live on a street with some families, and they do play with kids in the neighborhood occasionally. More often, we're going to organize soccer, organize baseball, organize, 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 organize. I grew up my, you know, in a time where we didn't do organized stuff as much as... I mean, I did. I had soccer one night a week and a soccer game on Saturday. But other than that, I was just playing unorganized sports in my neighborhood all through, like elementary school, junior high, and high school. And I think there is a lot to be said for just being outside, doing all of those things, eating normal food, not highly processed food by somebody who actually, I mean, my mom was a great cook and she did cook things, but she was also really busy. There is a lot of stuff we made in the microwave. Oh, yeah. Um, at least half of what we ate. Uh-huh. But you, it was still made in a kitchen in my house. It wasn't fast food. It right. wasn't take home. It wasn't. And I think all of those things together, it's like a whole combined switch in society. Correct. And I don't know that you can like pull one thing out from another without like well, taking think, into effect all of it. I think the vein that we're both speaking to is consumerism. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Getting, you don't get your food suggestions from Nickelodeon at 3.30 in the afternoon. That's just not a good idea. No. No. And and the more blue, the more neon blue something is, maybe the less you should eat it. Yes. Food is not blue. Right. <laughs> I mean, so like all these like candies and, you know, snacks. ice creams and snacks that are like, you know, dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets. Not, not a thing no. that should be probably eaten. Right? No. I mean, and so, no, and everybody, like, for all of you with small kids, 
it's okay to ruffle people's feathers every now and again and say, we don't eat that. Yeah. And we have different rule. Everybody's house has a different rule. And we just don't eat that. Yeah. And if your friend, if your relative is offended by that, then let them be offended. And if they're your real friends, they'll understand. Because there's probably stuff that you do that they don't. But, like, this is our kids' livelihoods that we're talking about. Yeah. Like, if we give them that foundation now of really healthy, really nutritious food, when they go to college and they aren't going to make the best choices, I already know my kids aren't. I, I'm already no aware of it. Do. So they'll have that foundation of really good food at home to kind of carry them through. And maybe they won't get metabolic diseases when they're yeah. Well, I remember I was one time in an airport and we like, we're, we're just, you know, going on and on and on. So we'll, 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 we'll tie this up pretty soon, but (laughs) I was in an airport and my daughter, it was her birthday. She did go through a couple of years when she was like probably eight to 10 where she just was baking very, very poor nutritional choices. And some people might think that's too young, but I think if you wait much longer than that, those things are like set in their mind. They are deeply And so this, she'd had a birthday the night before. Um, My mom had made her a cake. I told her when she woke up in the morning because we had to like fly out early that morning and she'd only gotten to have one piece of her birthday cake. So I told her a special, special event. You can have a piece of birthday cake for breakfast because again, we were leaving. We couldn't take the birthday cake with us on the plane, blah, 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 blah. So she did. And then we got to the airport and she wanted something else to eat. And it's been less than an hour. Okay. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to eat? And she said she wanted some like very small breakfast thing. And I was like, okay. And then she ended up going to her father and getting a like egg and sausage, huge breakfast burrito that was like 1500 calories. It was like enough calories for like your whole day, and a bag of Doritos. (laughs) And she got back to the table, and I took the Doritos away from her, and I cut the burrito in half, and I took half of it away, and I was like, and I literally said, this is irresponsible. You don't need this much food. This is not good for you. You're, you know, you can't eat this much junk. It's bad for you, and you're not making smart decisions. There was this woman who, I kid you not, was 300 pounds, sitting next to us at the table next to us at the airport. I had no, I, I wasn't even paying attention to her. I'm like talking to my daughter, okay? She gets up and leaves in a huff, right? And I and I noticed this woman gets up and kind of leaves like in a huff. And I'm like, oh, that was weird. She ends up sitting on in the plane right next to us. Oh my goodness. She ends up starting yelling at me on the plane about how I'm going to cause my daughter to have body dysmorphic syndrome and anorexia and bulimia and I am making her um I am I am forcing her to uh what is that what did they all say like um you know uh unrealistic body image blah 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 and this woman was literally so big she had to like buy two first class seats because she was that big okay And I looked at her and I said, this is none of your business. Thank you for your opinion. None of your business. And also, I don't, I'm not talking about her being a model someday. I'm not talking about her being skinny. I'm talking about making healthy food choices. And she was not making healthy food choices. And I am her mother and it's my job to teach her healthy food choices. I've never been that angry in my entire life. But also, like, 
now, uh, my daughter is now almost 12. And all of a sudden, when she became 11, she started making healthy food choices. She is not, by any definition, an anorexic twig. No. She is very moderately... She's not unhealthy either way. She is not unhealthy either way. No, she is very healthy. Very healthy. She's an athlete. But she makes healthier food choices. She'll say, you know what? I already had um, a, a, a whatever. I don't know. I already had a, a bagel this morning. So I'm not going to have a piece of cake later today. That's too many carbs. She eats salads. She eats healthy lean meats. But she understands this and she's making these choices now on her own and they're not unhealthy choices they're not she's not starving herself no she is just understanding what she puts into her body is fuel for her body and i you got to start that early i mean you really do you have to because children left to their own devices will eat whatever is out there yeah whatever looks colorful and good and their friends like it mm-hmm. It's mostly Pop-Tarts and Doritos. They'll eat all the Pop-Tarts and Doritos. And Doritos, possible. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, my my poor son, the other night, we stopped at a, a gas station, and he wanted these, like, spicy Doritos and this, like, strawberry milk. And he is, he's, he's like, very fit and very low body fat, and he was very hungry and I was like, are you sure? I really don't think these are great choices. But it, I honestly didn't think it would hurt him. I just was like, I thought he ate like half that bag of spicy Doritos. Had to stop because he was like, I can't eat anymore. Kind of got sick to his stomach. Ate, drank this huge thing of strawberry milk and was okay. You know, this was at like four in the afternoon. Then for dinner, he ate just like a normal, like healthy dinner. And then, um, and then he had like a small bowl of ice cream, like one scoop of ice cream at, for dessert. Now this is like five hours later. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two o'clock in the morning. Wakes up. (laughs) That was the puke day. Vomits all over my floor (laughs) at two in the morning. And he, he looks at me and he goes, I ate badly today. And I was like, yes, you did. Cause my kids don't eat sugar and junk like that. And I was like, yeah, you did. And he, as soon as he threw up, he felt better. He was totally fine the next day as soon as, you know, his stomach calmed down. But, yeah, I was like, this will affect you if you eat like this. They, My kids only eat one piece of Halloween candy a day because they're not used to that much, much sugar. And if they eat a bunch of it, they will get sick. No, you guys are really good about stretching a Halloween candy out. <laughs> I, my Halloween candy makes it like to the Easter. week before Easter. And then we and then the Easter candy makes it to the week before it's Halloween. It's not a lie. This is the <laughs> truth. But I have, I can't even tell you how many times my kids have overloaded on sugar and thrown up. And I don't like kid, picking up kid puke. It's no, and favorite. kids don't really like throwing up either. So, I mean, we can tell them all the things we want. But when they see those physical results of making bad choices, you almost want to be like, hmm, I'm almost glad that happened. Because oh. now it's solidified in your mind that I was right. Yeah, no, I mean, at 2.30 in the morning when my poor son was like, I made bad food choices. It was so pathetically sad. I felt so bad for him. I was like, but you're not wrong. I feel very badly for you, but you're not wrong. Sorry. Please remember this. (laughs) 
Anyway. All right. Speaking of bad food choices. Uh, I have a good food choice. Oh, do you? I have a very bad one. Oh, I like your bad food choice. Okay. All right. So we're going to resume our fall food extravaganza, but I got to go get mine. So we're going to pause just for a minute. Okay. All right. And we're back. Yes. Okay. So I have one and you have one. Okay. Um, mine is really bad. Okay. Is your sweet or savory? Mine is sweet, and honestly, the only reason, this is something I would never buy, the only reason is because Nora knows that we do this, and she wanted them, and so she was like, here, get this for next week's, like, fall food, you know, extravaganza. I was was not expecting you to say sweet, so now, mine's savory. Oh, awesome. Would you like to do savory first and sweet second? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I, when you said sweet, I was like... Okay, I don't know. I know, no, Nora did it. I brought a plate. A plate? Yeah. I don't know that that's a particularly fall inspired plate. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I got your little cheese knife, which is so cute. Oh, there we go. Oh, no. Is this a cheese? It is a cheese. A pumpkin cheese? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I stole your crackers. Okay. I mean, it doesn't even require a cracker, but I know you're a cracker person. Did you steal those today? Yeah, just now. I was looking for those all night last night. They were by your windowsill, by your crockpot. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, luckily for you, I couldn't find them last night because I probably would have eaten all of them. I left this out for a little bit because it's pumpkin goat cheese. I don't know how I feel about this. Okay. Okay. I've I've already had this. Have you? Yes. And you liked it? Yes. Okay. Then I feel better about it. And while I was looking for something because, funnily enough, I knew that you were trying to eat a little less carbs. I am. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get something that okay. is a little less carbon. I got to get into a wedding dress, people. So I've been drinking a little less and eating a little less carbs. All right, and so, so far, is- so good. I think you've been doing really well. So I wanted to honor that because, you know, I'm very supportive. I, I appreciate the support. Um, so I got to say, once you get past the first three days of low carb, I, I don't miss can- the carbs at all. I could eat steak every day and those eggs you make me. Oh my gosh. I definitely could do, I, I, I could never do no carb because I did no carb and I like rice. No, and I, I like know. quinoa and it's good brain food. All right, so this is from Croker. It's oh my gosh, that's pumpkin amazing. spice, goat cheese. Um, it was on sale and I was happy about that. I would have bought it either way. I love it. I don't, I do. It tastes a little pumpkin. It definitely has more of the spices than the pumpkin. I need what I need without cracker. Yeah, go for it. Because the cracker is influencing my. Mmm. I like it a lot. I was trying to dream up what this would be really good on. Mmm. I had this over the weekend with some friends. Um. While we were wedding planning. And it was so good. I was Okay. Like, I make this bread um, that is just a, it's like a, take a, a French loaf or a sourdough loaf or a baguette or whatever and cut it into like one inch circles uh-huh. and then put a little pesto on it and then oh, goat pesto. cheese on top yeah, yeah. and then a couple of... Um, slivered onions or sliced onions and then under the broiler and let the let the um goat cheese uh, melt oh 
And then that with like a pumpkin soup or something like that would be so, so yummy. Or like an herbed lamb or something. Oh, so good. I don't think I'm making herb lamb. Oh. But you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, it would be yummy. If I went home and was like, honey, can we have lamb? He'd be like, yeah, no. <laughs> but no. lamb, like if you really want to do like an herbed like meat, I feel like lamb is the choice that you go with. Like an herbed like chicken, mm, an herbed steak, mm, herbed lamb is where you go with that, I think. Or a pork tenderloin. You could do an herb pork tenderloin. That would be good. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay. So mine is dessert to your... These are... I mean, this is... Everything I just said... Oh, my goodness. I know. And not only everything that I just said that I don't eat, Mm -hmm. but also that my daughter is now making good food choices. But she knew we were doing this. These are pumpkin spice mini donuts. Well... Her ability to, I don't want to say manipulate, but her ability to steer the situation. Yes. A plus. And it's um, tasty cakes. I mean, these, I, I don't even want to. I'm going to say another thing about your kids. They don't sneak foods. No. The treats. They're afraid of me. The, the treats are well within their grasp at all times mm-hmm. in your house. They're there. Mm-hmm. They're on the shelf or in the freezer. I have never one time in 10 years seen your kids sneak a treat, ever. No. They know they'll get in trouble. And my kids are not good at lying. No, they're not. And they'll know, and I know they'll get caught. And then lying is the one thing I will not put up with. I will put up with a lot of things, but lying I will not put up with. So they know they'll be grounded for the, until the end of time. I think it's sweet. But also, like, I, I have found it funny that, like, at other people's houses, people will be like offer them candy and they'll be like hold on a second and like, they'll come find mom. me and and people are always like I just offered him like one little piece of candy and I was like yes he has to get permission for that and then people look at me mm-hmm. like I'm crazy and I'm like they don't handle sugar well people and unless Nor you should they if you uh-uh. want to come over to my house at two in the morning and clean up the vomit then okay but no I think it's great I think it's really really great and that's another point like that I was trying to make earlier don't be afraid of what other people think of your parenting. No, yeah, I agree. Oh my gosh, I can smell the cinnamon. All right, so these are little tasty cake donuts. Oh, they're pumpkin spice mini donuts. I can't believe you bought these. Um, again, oh, they're delicious. Delicious does nothing for me. No. This is just an a a, a waste of calories. No, it's beautiful. It's a symphony of cinnamon and sugar. It's happy. Okay. See, you would have made a terrible addict. You don't have, maybe you don't have an addictive personality. (laughs) Come on. I do. I just, I have my vices, but sweets are not one of them. Gambling's not one of them. Like, I have my things, but this is not. I, this... I guarantee you, if I was here by myself, this would sit here until they were rotten. Until they were rotten, mm-hmm. and I would never eat one of them. Which would take probably about seven years. <laughs> I mean, the list of ingredients is not. Short. Don't read it. You're not supposed to read the list of ingredients. Okay, I'm not going to. No, no. In the name, Seed oil. <laughs> in the name of fall extravaganza, I am not going to read the list of ingredients. But let's just say it's half the wrapper. 
Let's just, mm-hmm, that has a side panel. Uh-huh. All ingredients. See, whereas, I just, that I has no flavor to me. The, the, it's, it's not overwhelming. But it's not like a cider donut. Which I can't, fried food and apple cider, I can't do it. <clears throat> fried food and apple cider? I, okay, like homemade fried donuts might be the only sweet that I can actually like, like I, I used to go on these campouts when I was a kid, and there was one dad that would literally have like the big vat of grease and would make homemade donuts, and they would come out hot, and he would just sprinkle some powdered sugar on them. Those things were amazing. But that is literally the only kind of donut I have ever. That's a lot of work. What do you do with we the were oil just, when you're done? We were just at, oh, I know, that's true. I don't know. Somebody you needs probably to. probably dumped it in the woods. Somebody <laughs> needs to tell us what, what you do with the, what, what you do with the oil when you're done. But um, I had a college roommate. This is so the random. This is the random rabbit hole. If if you're just tuning into our podcast, come back for another one where we like have a schedule and an agenda <laughs> and stuff. This is just. I had a college roommate. We were in um, college apartments, and so there were four girls, two bedrooms on one side that shared a bathroom, and two bedrooms on the other side that shared a bathroom, and then there was a joint like living room and a kitchen for all four of us and there was this one girl and she fried something every day and she just kept a a big dutch oven full of fry oil underneath the um like in one of the cabinets in our kitchen and she would just bring it out and then fry stuff and then put it back in and then the next day bring it out and I had never seen anything like this before. My mother didn't do anything like that. That's so gross. Never did anything like that. Oh, and the smell. Oh, the smell. Oh, I can Through smell our it right whole now. whole apartment. Oh. And my, my um, best friend who lived with me was a vegetarian. Oh. She just wanted to kill herself, yes. like, daily. I mean, we were opening all the windows. And we came home every afternoon from class. And this young lady had made a humongous lunch for her boyfriend every day. Every day. Did she not? Maybe maybe she wanted to get rid of him. No, I think she wanted <laughs> a, a shiny thing on her finger. But, yeah, so he came over every day. This was the most unimpressive two people ever that I've ever met. That is too. so gross. I mean, this this gentleman, that she, this young man that she was making this for was like a, a solid C business student. Who was already going bald at like was he twenty years a old? Large person. He was not small. Yeah, but he was short. Ooh. I was just like, what? What are we doing here? Kind <laughs> of give him heart disease. That's rude. I think she was trying. Like literally, think she was trying to get a ring on her finger. I think she probably ended up getting it. That's good. Um, but it was wanted. just, it was bizarre. Like from a culture, my parents are both athletes. Um, my mom never fried anything. I don't think ever. No, um, we did not fry things. From like a cult, that culture to this, I was like, what are you doing with that vat of grease and where is it going? Then I moved to the South and I, and I, I, I learned to appreciate a vat of grease. You put it under your sink at that point. <laughs> I still can't do it well, but I, I, I aspire to someday. I'm but. okay with like reusing bacon grease like one other time. But I don't know about the continual yeah. reusing. There's, um, so my, my, um, and I say my in the loosest interpretation of the word my. It is really Alex Gornichelli's, 
um, deconstructed green bean casserole that you can find on the Food Network if you're looking. But if you it, like that sort of thing. Right, if you like that sort of thing. But actually, I've made it quite a few times, and people absolutely love it. It's like their favorite part of Thanksgiving dinner. Um, but you make everything from scratch. You make the mushroom soup from scratch. You make the fried shallots from scratch. And that is the one time that I have, like, gotten the big vat of grease out to fry my own shallots and that's so much work it is a lot of work it's way too much work for like what you i mean i think this year well this year no i mean this year i will have thanksgiving dinner out the farm but um i think i might try to find some fried shallots that you can purchase or i can fry some shallots probably at my house but you don't but how in a pan (laughs) Carefully. Without oil? Mm-hmm. But they're breaded and they yeah. have to like, oh, maybe I could just do it like that. You're supposed to drop them in oil and let them go. Oh, well, I'm volunteering my stove. Oh, well. And I don't have a stove out at the farm. Yeah. Well, if you don't go to the farm, you can come to our house. No, I'm going to the farm, man. That is my, that's my Thanksgiving magic right there. All right. Well, we have managed to talk for an hour and 20 minutes. Weird. <laughs> and this is longer than our normal podcast, but um, this you know, may be the longest one we've done. It might be. So anyway, if you managed to make it all the way to now, um, we've enjoyed having you. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. Get a gold star. Come back. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Next week we will have something, something <laughs> else. But we will definitely have fall food extravaganza. So if there is some very cool fall food that we need to uh, that we need to try, please yeah. let us know. And we like stuff. We'll see you then. (laughs) Bye. Have a good week.